1: Everybody's
2: got an opinion. Go ahead. Ask them. But only a few have an opinion informed by expert analysis and experience. It's called trust. It's why we're here. For you. Keep it here and get the edge. You're listening to Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM.
3: Welcome into our number two of the early line. Right here on Sports Grid, Kevin Walsh and Donnie Wright side. Thursday morning, Thursday night football coming up. we got a lot of good preview here for you in this hour. Not just Thursday night football, but some good NBA action. There might be a big early edge when you factor in last night's results. Also, college putting both ranked teams on the floor and, of course, on the field. We'll break that all down, but I want to start with some of the top news from the NFL. And yesterday, Donnie, we... I thought at least, going to get the newest team for Odell Beckham Jr. We did not get that news. What do you make of the fact that we don't know just where Odell will be playing his football
4: for the remainder of the season? I'm really surprised at this, but then again, not really surprised if that makes sense, because we, we saw this coming from a long time. You know, Odell Beckham Jr., who was looking over the summer, asked multiple times to be traded, which leads you to believe that his agent was working the phones daily with just about every single team in the NFL. What's a good fit? Where do you want to go? How do you think it'll play out? And those teams getting a feel for if he does come available, that you can certainly get a deal done. So we take a look at Odell Beckham saying, OK, I haven't made my decision. Nobody claimed me on waivers. So I can have my pick and you know I can pick and choose from just about anybody here in the national football league as long as some teams have a little bit of salary cap space i'll come in i want to go to a winner because as you saw kevin when we were in the waiver wire process he basically said don't pick if you're a bad team don't pick me i'm not showing up which they didn't and then the good team said okay well if the bad teams can't pick them we're not going to get put in a waiver claim and have $7.25 million count against our cap this year that we can roll over to next year. Let's let this thing play out. So now you take a look at Kansas City, Green Bay, and New Orleans as potential landing spots here, the Seahawks, and also the Patriots involved as well. I thought the best spot for him to land would be the Los Angeles Rams, but apparently they're not in the running for what he wants to do. But for myself, I would have figured this would have been done, which almost like you're excited. Like you see the waiver wire process go through. You're in contact with these teams. What do we have to sell? Like if you're an organization – You tell me you have to pitch Odell Beckham over days as if he's a free agent in the offseason to make this transition? The faster you get into the town, the faster you get into that locker room, the faster you get into the film room and learn that playbook, the better it is for you. So it's kind of interesting where it's going to take a couple days, which wipes out this week, which I don't know if that makes all that much difference if he was on an NFL team this week and how effective Mm -hmm. he could be. But the simple fact is I thought he would already know where he's going, and now it looks like it's like, hey, now that I'm a free agent and teams want me, let me drive the price up, which is an interesting tactic here.
3: I think the idea of kind of trying to run up the numbers doesn't make much sense because the numbers will likely end up being inconsequential, right? At the end of the day, you're only going to be playing eight to nine games for these teams anyway. I do think, though, he is going to be making Donnie what is, at this point, probably the biggest decision of his career. Who Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be moving forward will be impacted a lot by whatever he is able to do down the backstretch of this season. Maybe he hadn't thought out where he wanted to go. Maybe he is conflicted because, Donnie, we're not just, we're not saying, hey, he's choosing between Jacksonville and Kansas City, right? Like, we are seeing that the rumored teams are high-level spots. The Rams being left off certainly is one key team that you would have thought would be on their list. But, Donnie, we're talking the Kansas City Chiefs. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, right? Going over to New Orleans, a guy that played his college football at LSU and being the number one wide receiver, getting to play with a Russell Wilson. We're talking about some very legitimate options for this guy to take his career into perhaps that next level. But I have to say, Don, there's been some rumors around the Chiefs as the favorites. As the radio audience enters the fold, appreciate all those listening to the early line on Sports Grid Radio. Kevin Walsh, Donnie Wrightside, breaking down some of the Odell Beckham Jr. update to your Donnie. The Chiefs are never one that just made enough sense to me. And I know you've mentioned them before, but I still think workload has to matter a little bit here to Odell. And you're still going to be target three behind a Tyreek Hill and a Travis Kelsey I would anticipate. And... It's not a group playing amazing football. And if that continues to be the case, Odell will oddly end up wearing some of the brunt of that probably, Donnie.
4: Yeah, it's also interesting too because you know wide receivers are divas by nature. And he's seen the upper echelon of the sport here putting up ridiculous statistics. But you're taking a look at who do you want to go to and why do you want to go to them? So when we take a look at the good football teams, you want to win a Super Bowl, you want to be with a good organization. I get it. You go to Kansas City, you're not going to be the focal point here. It's Tyree Kill, it's Kelsey as a tight end. So are you going to be okay with working in as that third wheel? You go to Green Bay, yes, you get to play with Aaron Rodgers, which is sensational. But Devontae Adams is the target share guy. Are you going to be upset that Devontae Adams is stealing all your thunder and getting, you know, 13, 14 targets while you get three or four and you're supposed to be happy about that. But then also take a look at the Seattle Seahawks. DK Metcalf's out there. Tyler Lockett's really good. How effective can you be coming in? And will you be happy being the third leg in that one? And then the other team that's interesting is the New England Patriots, where you would be clearly the number one wide receiver, but it's a rookie quarterback at this point. That's why when I was trying to level out, you know, tip the scales on what makes the mm-hmm. most sense. Cooper Cup's going to eat out of the slot, which leaves you wide open on the outside for the Rams in nice weather on a team that's probably going to make a Super Bowl run with a big-time Army quarterback where you run 60 yards downfield. Matthew Stafford just floats down. ball out there and you can run under it there are a lot of choices he can make but I do agree with one thing if I am him I'm picking a really good quarterback that can get me the football and that has some talent around them as well so that would leave the Mahomes and obviously taking a look here at the Green Bay Packers probably one two for me
3: yeah I really still feel like Green Bay is that perfect porridge of a legitimate contender Hall of Fame level quarterback and the right amount of targets. Yes, Donnie. Devontae is still wide receiver, one. He can't risk going and playing with Trevor Simeon, Donnie. No, I (laughs) totally agree with you on that. He cannot do that. Or, oh, well, don't worry, it'll be Taysom Hill. Maybe even worse. I couldn't agree more on that sense there. Speaking of the New Orleans Saints, Alvin Kamara didn't practice. I want to talk a little bit about that
0: next
3: College talk is right around the corner, but I want to finish up some NFL headlines here. And I mentioned that both Alvin Kamara did not practice this past week. And I mentioned the fact that it looks like we're going to see Kyler Murray play. And obviously, you're talking about two key guys when it comes to their team. Super, super important players. And how that would impact them being absent or being in is certainly relevant in what we'll break down tomorrow when we give you our full Football Friday breakdowns. But I really wanted to bring it up from a sense of kind of the practice reports and following the information. Everyone here, if you follow this, you understand that the process and the work that Donnie Wrightside puts in to specifically those team total best bet wagers that you can get right over the weekend there is a very, very important one. It's a meticulous one as well. And I always like to try and pick Donnie's brain on stuff like this. And yesterday, Donnie, you were talking to me about how the NFL has really changed for you. Over the past couple of years, the way the injury report news kind of comes down and off of the basis of a guy like Kamara all of a sudden not practicing yesterday and hearing reports that a Kyler is optimistic about just how Donnie practice reports are kind of impacting the way you're approaching some of your best bets on the weekend.
4: Yeah, it's, and I, I got to be honest with you here. I sort of like this way, as crazy as that sounds, because usually it's like saying, well, what, man, you like these plays, but you don't know who's going to practice. It used to be for myself, Kevin, to take you through a week of handicapping. As soon as the game's got over Sunday, you take that deep breath. Monday morning, you open up the laptop, you start doing some work. And okay, I like this game. I want to circle this one. I want to do this one. You spend a lot of time on Mondays. Then Tuesday comes, which is basically an off day in the NFL. So you're like, okay, don't hear much information. just want to see how some of these lines settle in, see who is actually hitting the line on a Monday or early on Tuesday. Tuesday and then you see Wednesdays you could start to formulate your decision and try to see what happens here and then all of a sudden now Kevin you get to Wednesday and like, oh, hold on here look at the first practice where come out when did this guy get injured he played the whole game on Sunday mm-hmm. or why is this guy sitting at a practice and is it health related is it a rest day is it a recovery day that they have and just being an NFL handicapper which so painstakingly going through Monday Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday we sit here on a Thursday Kevin I opened up on Monday, took a look at some games. OK, I might be interested here. Kevin, I didn't do any capping on Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday, mm-hmm. and I haven't done that for the past couple of weeks. Why? Because I'm not a guy that likes to waste time on stuff that's not actually going to make sense. Sure, I know the teams I want to take a look at here, but what is the point of firing on an 18 and a half or a 19 and a half or a 20 number for a team total? If I have no idea who's actually going to make it to the starting gate, and it's so good that you picked up Alvin Kamara here, if you're looking for New Orleans to go on the road and pull an upset, doesn't it have to include Alvin Kamara? So if you're taking a look right now, oh, I'm going to take him at three right now. That's a great line for New Orleans. I think they can pull the upset. Well, even if the line goes to three and a half, four, four and a half, and there's no Alvin Kamara, are you betting the Saints without Alvin Kamara, who basically have no wide receivers, no quarterback, and no electric threat on the road at under three points? No, no way shape or form at this point so the capping advantages that I used to see and put in the time on Monday Tuesday Wednesday Kevin they're no longer there this is basically a Thursday Friday Saturday and Sunday handicap which again from a time perspective is wonderful but from jumping the line and crossing you know your your mm-hmm. your T's and dotting your eyes it doesn't make sense to fire early in the week you don't have any idea who's playing Sunday at this point
3: And I think, Donnie, when you not only pair the injury reports, right, with the state of COVID and what happened to people who bet the Green Bay Packers last week early, not the people that ran to the window and got those sevens and eights and got lucky covers. And again, you know, you did. It is what it is. But the people that Donnie had the Green Bay Packers plus two, plus two and a half and did not win those bets. And that's because Aaron Rodgers did not play in that game. And it's hard to look at what the Chiefs put forward, and have anybody convinced themselves that that was a Chiefs win. Had Rodgers played, certainly not definitively. And you beat that number by as it was going down to a pick'em. Who knows, Donnie? Green Bay maybe closes as a favor in that game yes. against the Kansas yes. City Chiefs. That's kind of the dangers of that early betting that we've talked about here and where it is a big-time edge to get the very, very first look at a number, right? When we do our breakdowns tomorrow, you'll hear, uh, you know, Donnie always mentions where a number opened, where a number is moved, because that's relevant, where things have moved, but you're taking a bit of a risk, it still feels like, especially kind of the way things are right now in the NFL. Let's transition down into our preview here on a Thursday, college basketball, look, right now, just one top 25 team in action today. Quick side note, just an awful approach by college basketball to have all of the good teams play on Tuesday and then just punt the rest of it until Friday, Saturday. It makes no sense the way they went about it. It's Maryland, it's George Washington, a couple of 1-0 and teams here, Donnie. Neither, though, were able to get the cover in their opening game of the season.
4: Yeah, and also when you take a you're right, Kevin, because I'm always big. Like make, I was, make me the commissioner of this stuff. It's not hard here. You know, it's, in football, you have like, like just over 100 or so, you know, Division One college football teams, but in college basketball, there's well over 300 of those. Would it have been so hard to break it down and give about, you know, 25 games this day, 25 games the next day, split it up and say, okay, top 10 teams, we're going to give you the spotlight on TV, on ESPN, in national games. Just hold off. You don't have to open up on opening day. Hold off on the second day or the third day here and have everybody involved. It's just the way the schedule breaks out here. You get those really good games night one, and then all of a sudden you start looking forward to the next couple of days. It's like, oh, man, we like to bet college basketball. Don't get me wrong, but you would be nice to see some top-level talent, meaning a top-20 matchup here once in a while to start, but not going to be the case here. Maryland versus GW, 19-point spread, opened up at 17.5. Don't have much on this one, so can't help you out too much here,
3: Look, all in all right now, I will mention not only did neither team able to cover, but both teams did play an over in their opening game here. This number 138 and a half, perhaps these two teams going to score early. But let's be honest, do we know a lot about Maryland? And we certainly can't then say we know a lot about the Colonials going into this game we talk about the live betting opportunities as it pertains to college basketball and seeing if you can find those edges there as you start to get a sense of how those teams are feeling one another out actually interestingly enough both of those teams covered the first half quite comfortably in their games and then proceeded to outright lose the second half some games again that they were favored in in their opening game so it'll be interesting to kind of watch those things develop but also again just to kind of re-emphasize here right like Kentucky and Duke Kansas and Michigan State say, hey, hand up. We'll we'll take the risk. We'll play real games. Meanwhile, everybody else is a 20-point favorite. Gonzaga isn't even on TV because they're playing Dixie State. How, like, Michigan and FSU should have just played each other on a Wednesday. I get it, right? Here, it's a Thursday. Like, the NBA has now pumped it on playing games on TNT on Thursdays because of the NFL. So I get it. But Wednesday. Like, you're just, "Ah, well, what do you want us to do with NBA? Like, it's just such a bizarre move overall. As well, college, Donnie, football in action here. This is a good one. I'm excited for this game here tonight. Pitt and UNC. Kenny Pickett against Sam Howell, a legitimate Heisman contender in some eyes, versus a guy that I, if I had to make a Heisman pick preseason, Don, I think I would have took Sam Howell. All in all, Pitt's a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Look at that beautiful total, 72-and-a-half.
4: Yeah, you on points, you got them here. How about this? North Carolina on the season, Kevin, 39 points per game. How about Pittsburgh, 45 points a game. And Kenny Pickett looks like he's going to make himself some money in the NFL draft. They are throwing for over 375 yards a game. Talking about the Pitt, Panther, the Pitt Panthers in this one. 72 and a half. Seems like a lot of points, Kevin. But when you break it down in this game, if Pittsburgh is on it from the jump, the one thing that you do know is Sam House threw a very talented quarterback and he can run and throw. I don't see that many stops coming to fruition in this game. I didn't check the weather forecast overall, but I didn't see any rain or anything in the forecast in Pittsburgh. So if we're looking from a points perspective here, you say, oh, 72 is a lot. Both of these teams to approach 30 points doesn't seem like a lot for me. Kenny Pickett should get it going earlier. As I said, averaging close to 375 a game through the air I look for points. There. This should be a fun one to watch. Now, this is one of those where they put on a Thursday night game that even though it's not two top-level teams per se, but this is a pretty good viewing experience if you like points.
3: Yeah, this one hits the tablet 10 times out of 10. This is yeah. great action. And what we say about when the UNC uh, Tar Heels were playing Wake last week, Don? Right, that total approach in an 80 spot, we're like, man, that's a lot of points. But then again, are both these teams not going to get to 40? In fact, both got to at least 55, 58 55 last week. UNC beat Wake Forest here. Pitt seven and two to the over on the season. UNC six and three to the over on the season. This is only the second time all year the Tar Heels have been an underdog. The other time, Notre Dame three and a half point dog lost by ten. Should be a good one. We'll talk some NBA. News. Sports professor Rick Harrow inside the 1.3 trillion dollar business of sports with your daily numbers game. NFL, FanDuel, DraftKing, PointsBet, BetMGM, the whole panoply of gaming operations and their deals going very well you would expect with the NFL. But here's a new one. Aristocrat Gaming, 90 countries, 300 jurisdictions, branded NFL games across all casino floors as early as the 2023 season. Which will give an opportunity not just to generate increased revenue and excitement but obviously more bets on a regular basis because these gamblers will have the opportunity to quote support their favorite team even if it's just branding and the nfl has jumped all in with all aspects of gaming now 2023 and way beyond sports professor Riccardo, daily numbers game
1: Look, we're not saying all the other
2: sports talk networks are backwards, but we're pretty sure they all have a favorite EHA episode. Get on the grid. EHA. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM.
3: Just came off of talking about UNC and Pitt. Before we move past this game, it does feature Kenny Pickett who right now has the sixth best odds to win the Heisman trophy. Now, a big gap between him and number 5. Caleb Williams is fifth at 7 to 1. Pickett is 30 to 1. Now, there's something about this market where I just refuse to believe this award I guess is going to go to Bryce Young. There's something about it. Plus 170 and we are pretty deep into the season, Don, is not transitioned to a minus money favorite just yet. But this feels like something that you often talk about here, a classic spot where Kenny Pickett on national television in a big-time game against UNC. If he goes out there, in a game total of 73, by the way, four touchdown passes is not out of the realm of possibility. Big-time yardage. These guy's thrown for 400 in back-to-back games overall, Kenny Pickett here, maybe chops into a 30-to-1 price.
4: Yeah, Kenny Pickett needs a lot of chaos to happen here, Kevin, including like Caleb Williams in Oklahoma getting a loss. You know, Matt Corral doesn't look like they're going to make the SEC championship game, obviously. So maybe if he takes another loss, doesn't play all that well. Kenneth Walker III, they just took a loss. Maybe if he has some big performances and he can lead his team to a Big Ten championship, that would make a difference. But here's the interesting part here, because we're taking a look and keep in mind when the actual voters vote on the Heisman Award. December 4th is the SEC championship game, Kevin you know, another week later, they vote on the Heisman trophies when that ballot deadline will be. So let me get this straight. Bryce Young is the leader plus 170. So you say, okay, if he beats Georgia, he's probably going to win the Heisman. But if he loses to Georgia, they don't win the SEC. They don't wind up going to the college football playoff, which, again, college football playoff is going to be after they vote for the Heisman, but he'll already be done. Let's just say C.J. Stroud in Ohio State runs the table, wins the Big Ten championship, and and he looks good doing it. Are you telling me a two-loss non-SEC champion is going to get the Heisman Trophy when C.J. Stroud is going to win the Big Ten and take his team into the college football playoff? That is interesting for me to swallow at taking that price. Now, again, if you do think Alabama is going to beat Georgia, that's his award and nobody else is going to be around him. But we talk constantly about this SEC championship game and both of these teams come in healthy between Georgia and Alabama. Georgia is going to be the favorite. They should be able to win. I can't see a two-loss team with Bryce Young at the quarterback position, winning that. But again, sliding it down there. Kenny Pickett is an interesting one at 30 to one because the Heisman Trophy award, we like to see numbers here. So if you're telling me also, let's take a look at Bryce Young. They have two losses. CJ Stroud stumbles down the stretch. Kenneth Walker has a couple mediocre games and they don't win the big 10. That leaves Kenny pick it up in the air with maybe Caleb Williams. But if Caleb Williams, who came on late, he's going to have to do a lot, including Herculean efforts each and every game and also yeah. a Big 12 championship. It's not a bad look at 30-1. to 1. There's still a lot to be desired here at the top because a lot of these teams still have some good football teams to go through here. The thing about
3: Bryce Young is not just that he has to play Georgia, but it's what that really means. Like, Donnie they're maybe the best defense college football has seen in the last decade plus. Certainly in all, like, I don't think it's a stretch to call them an all-time great defense in college football. Now, if Bryce Young beats that team, yes, they're going to hand this award to him on a silver platter. But, Donnie, it's it's not just where they lose that game, but the odds that they lose that game, 35-31, are unlikely. It's probably a game where they maybe don't even hit 20 points. And here's the other thing on Bryce Young. Does anybody think that Alabama is who they are because of him? Is anybody watching Alabama football saying, goodness me, could you imagine a world where Bryce Young wasn't the quarterback? No, I mean, listen, and I know it was with more talent last year, but look what Mac Jones did with this football team. It was significantly better. Joe Burrow, who won the Heisman the year before that, and I know Devonta Smith won it last year, had a marvelous season. But when Joe Burrow won it, it felt like it was Joe Burrow commanding the show and it's why I think Bryce Young has yet to cross a threshold to a minus money favorite overall CJ Stroud is favored to beat Kenneth Walker right and Kenneth Walker at the end of the day if that's a game they trail and I don't know how you know big time yardage he'll be able to put up Corrales feel like he's been left in the dust in a weird way because Ole Miss every time they play a big game it doesn't feel like they're able to kind of get the job done there and it's it is why Donnie in just half a season I have continued to bring up Caleb Williams because his argument is different than everyone else's because this, even with Ohio state, I don't personally watch Ohio state football and say, man, that is a product of CJ Stroud. No, it's a product of Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and just a phenomenal offense. Overall, Caleb Williams saved OU's season. And Donnie, if they end up unbeaten, this feels like this guy's going to win this award in half a year.
4: Yeah, it really, it really does. And maybe this is one of those chaos years where a guy that can parachute in midway through the season, pick up a couple big-time victories here, and be the reason. Because the one thing you like in a Heisman, too, he has to stand out. I think we can all agree that if Spencer Rattler continued to be the quarterback, Oklahoma probably would not be undefeated at this time. So you take a look at a guy that comes in midseason and dominates, and in both ways, too, Kevin, we love statistics. Why do we love Tim Tebow winning the Heisman? Because he threw a lot of touchdown passes, and he ran for a lot of yards and also touchdowns. He could do the same thing here. It's going to be a fun last couple of weeks of the college football season to see who actually takes down this award.
3: Again, big game tonight. UNC versus Pitt Kenny Pickett on your slate. We've also got three NBA games tonight here. I'm actually going to switch the order up, Donnie. I want to start with the last game on the board. It's Clippers Heat. This is yep. a spot that last year when we were breaking down regular season basketball on the early line, we would get very excited about. Because this is where an early better can really end up making a big-time value play. The Miami Heat now on the second leg of a back-to-back against the Los Angeles Clippers are two-and-a-half point underdogs. But there's a lot more that comes with that. It's not just the second leg of a back-to-back. They also just were in overtime against the Lakers. But here's where this also gets a little bit more interesting, Donnie. Jimmy Butler left that game. Injured. Certainly not a lot of time off for him to turn that around and make the starting gate here. And also, both Tyler Hero and Bam out of bio were questionable up until about two hours or so out from this game against the Lakers. Maybe they don't make the starting gate here. It is not unreasonable, Donnie, to think that the Miami Heat on the second leg of a back to back after playing overtime could be without Jimmy Butler. Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo, maybe their three best players this season against a streaking Clippers team that is now constantly covering numbers. I, at this point, would be surprised, Donnie, if this number doesn't close higher than two and a half for the Clippers.
4: Yeah, maybe the saving grace here for the Miami Heat is typically when you hear a back-to-back on the road, you're dealing with travel. Well, they're going to be in the same building they played last night, so not as much travel as opposed to just busing, I guess, from the hotel to Staples Center. But looking at – you are correct here. When you have a back-to-back it's already hard enough when you have an injured team, but when you're going back-to-back and they get injured even more in that back-to-back with some questionable things, because also as you take a look at Tyler Hero being questionable play yesterday – I'm pretty sure he doesn't feel better today than he did yesterday after playing all those minutes and in overtime. Mm -hmm. Now, could it be like, hey, we've been here, done this before. We're going back to the same place. We had a good offensive performance yesterday. We could do that again tonight. I hear you on that. But certainly, it's one of those things that we question, Kevin Wright. Are you running to the window right now here on a Thursday morning to take the Miami Heat at this time? No, you're not. So it looks like a Clippers angle, if anything, for us tonight is the way that we'll be looking.
3: Also, Miami, if they do drop this game, it'd be their third in a row, fourth in their last five. You want to, perhaps listen, and maybe you go for a little bit here, but the way the NBA works is that information pours in and you have a moment in time to try and go out there and beat a number. The Clippers have now won five in a row, covered four straight. They've actually been a favorite of three points or less this season already four different times, they've won and covered all of those games here. It feels like a really good spot for the Los Angeles Clippers. Another short spread, Donnie, is Sixers-Raptors here. The Raptors also were in action yesterday, really struggled against the Boston Celtics. I thought that that team would be able to put forward a better offensive performance than they did, not able to hit the 100-point tally here. Now they have to go to Philadelphia, who still remains shorthanded.
4: I don't know about that tonight, Kevin, because there are reports on the street here. Look at the estimated starting lineup tonight: Tyrese Maxey, Seth Curry for Quirk Moss. Tobias Harris and Andre mm. Drummond so maybe the Sixers getting some reinforcements back at a perfect time because when you look at the Sixers a lot of guys playing way more minutes than they're accustomed to which again during the length of the season might be a good thing to get some of those kids in the game and put them in pressure situations just to see how they do Tyreek's Maxey was fantastic in the game they just lost the other night but also take a look at the Raptors maybe a little bit offensively challenged on a back-to-back night would be nice to the Sixers to get the reserves back but even if Tobias Harris comes back Kevin we looking at 33 minutes out here? Are we looking from a four of seven from three-point range and really being a factor, which he typically gets around that 20-10 and 10 game is what you expect from him? We don't know, but it's nice to have back in the lineup, but even if you're getting a Seth Curry back to open that floor in spacing here. So the Philadelphia 76ers here has a slight favorite at home. I understand why that is, and if Tobias comes back and plays well, that's a boon for the Sixers tonight. Sixers are nobody for me tonight versus the Toronto Raptors. And I know, look, you have a team total on the Toronto Raptors. Right. You could use this W here, but I don't know if it's gonna to come tonight for you, Kevin. It's it won't. There's no reason to think it will.
3: The Raptors as much as I need the wins at the end of the day, it's a long season. I'm I'm not I was telling Donnie the other day, right, with that Mavs to make the play in bet. I I didn't realize how bizarre of a bet that was until I realized I can't ever get too excited for wins or too, like, excited for losses. They just need to be sandwiched in between 7 and 10. That's why it was a plus money price here. And look, as far as Toronto goes, if they just weren't so horrible at home, we'd be in a wonderful spot right now. This is a bad spot for this team. And in fact, this is going to be their third time playing a back-to-back. The first two times, they weren't able to get to 100 points. Now here in Philadelphia, perhaps they'll fall short of that mark once again. The other game on the board here is Jazz Pacers. There's a live angle that will make sense in this game. We'll give you that as well as a full preview of Thursday Night Football next here on the Early Line.
2: The Sports Grid Radio Network presents This Date in Sports History.
4: Outstanding now as one, exalting, the rookie on. 1981 Dodgers starter Fernando Valenzuela
3: becomes the first MLB rookie to win a Cy Young Award. Fernando
0: Valenzuela,
2: who threw 149 pitches tonight. That wasn't one for the art museum, but it was efficient and he got the job
0: done. For Sports Grid Radio, I'm Mike Demerges.
1: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We're here 24 hours a
2: day, seven days a week. 52 weeks a year. Don't believe us. Never turn us off. You'll see. Keep listening to Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM.
3: Kevin Walsh and Donnie Rightside with you right here. Sirius XM Channel 159, the home of Sports Grid Radio, right here on the Sports Grid Network. Closing out in the NBA preview, Donnie, with just one more game here, Jazz Pacers, and I wanted to bring up a live look in this game. I know the game isn't happening right now, but you can kind of get prepared for what is one of the most brutal back-to-backs a team can face, which is the at Denver, at Utah, or at Utah, at Denver. And if you look right now, you have a Jazz team that has delivered a Pacers team on a platter here, no doubt about it, as nine-and-a-half-point favorites. But where this could be really... Beneficial for a live backer is a Pacers team that so far has played two back-to-backs already and is yet to cover the second half in either of those back-to-backs. Donnie, pair that with the fact that this one here is in Utah and simply whatever the Jazz are favored by in the second half should be worth your dollar.
4: Yeah, running out of gas a little bit. You saw it last night a little bit here with the Milwaukee Bucks. And, hey, they're going to give this game away completely to the Knicks after having a really good first half, knowing that they played the Philadelphia 76ers the night before in Philadelphia. But you're right. Sometimes there's levels to this, as we like to say. Back-to-back games, like you're going to see where the, you know, same team is going to play in the Staples Center one night and play again as a back-to-back the second night in Staples Center. A little bit differently here than going to elevation. That is a huge number, though. Nine to nine and a half, meaning that you're going to have to win by double digits. But if there's a game you're going to win by double digits and you're the Indiana Pacers, this is probably the game you say, man, we probably didn't have too much of a shot at this one anyway. But from a live game perspective, it does make sense where maybe you would have the Indiana Pacers get out to a hot start in this game or at least be competitive in the first half before the elevation, the altitude and everything involved from a back-to-back game, including you know, some fatigue sets in. So your live betting factor of this game, certainly for me, if you like the Pacers, Kevin, wouldn't you say that you just take them in the first half? And if you don't like the Pacers and you think the Jazz are going to win, you should maybe wait and say, hey, hopefully the Pacers get a lead here to try to race some of that Mm -hmm. nine to nine and a half point advantage and then see the Utah Jazz run away with this one late third quarter into the fourth.
3: Absolutely. I do wish this game was an eight o'clock start because for a three-point prop parlay, it's probably your best game on the board which Mm. would have been nice to kind of bump up that start time a little bit we'll see what donnie has cooking up in that market a little bit later on but i know we'll spend a lot of time cooking up these match specials here thursday night football dolphins ravens miami a seven and a half point home dog a total of 46 and a half we'll get to our match specials momentarily here but we started quickly donnie with side and total when you see those two numbers does value jump off of the page in either way?
4: No, it really doesn't. But again, when you're taking a look at you know values perceived on you know different levels here, you take a look at the Miami Dolphins getting seven and a half at home on a Thursday night game in the past. I mean, boy, where do I sign up on the Dolphins here? They don't have to win the game. They just have to stay within a touchdown of a team that played in overtime mm-hmm. on Sunday, announced to travel in a short week. But again, you're looking at the Miami Dolphins here. Where is the talent? Okay, average running back. You did have a good wide receiving core if they were healthy, but they're not. So you're leaning on a rookie at wide receiver. And also Jacoby Brissett is probably going to get the start tonight. So when you flip it over to the opposite side, the Baltimore Ravens do things so much better than the Miami Dolphins, but sometimes it doesn't really equate to a road victory. Let's also keep in mind a team that has not picked up a W this year in the NFL, being the Detroit Lions, should have actually beaten the Ravens on the road. Excuse me, when the Ravens were on the road and they were at home. So now you flip Mm -hmm. it back forth. You have a game in overtime. You have a short work week. You have a team going on the road and having to win by double digits. And at the same time, Kevin, the only thing I'm looking at here is the Baltimore Ravens in this game. They're more talented at wide receiver. They're better on the offensive and defensive line. They're better at the quarterback position. A lot of this stuff makes a lot more sense here as we drop in the tight beat as we talk about Lamar Mm -hmm. Jackson here. The only way I'm looking here in these prop markets and the game itself is somehow trying to take the Baltimore Ravens tonight, Kevin.
3: A little more prepared this go around. It's interesting, Donnie, you mentioned the road spot. This is the first road game for the Ravens since the 3rd of October. Four straight home games and a bye week has kept them yeah. in Baltimore for a long time now, which does give me a little bit of of that pause here overall it's a spot Donnie I also think and I know people like to play their teasers they maybe leave an open-ended version here you get Baltimore at the starting gate here and you figure out your Sunday spots as the week develops here I could absolutely see the Ravens being a big part of teasers but it gives me a little bit of that pause even on a total that's 46 and a half. And one of my favorite things to do when Donnie and I are on in play sports tonight looking for some some value is to throw Donnie a bet that is just absolutely nowhere to be found. I mean a tab that he has never even found or considered to find. Donnie, how about kicker props? Oh, yeah, that's what I'm not, that's what I'm talking about here now. Justin Ooh. Tucker over seven and a half points. Justin, I mean, here's the thing though. On Justin Tucker. Not only has he gone over seven and a half points in five of their eight games, but Don He has gone over the mark in all of their road games. And doesn't it make sense in a way where you're on the road, maybe a little more willing to kick field goals there, maybe not as easy to convert and have to settle for three. Obviously, it you know, three points for a field goal, extra points are one. I think it's a legitimate look here, Donnie, as as it is to bring up a kicker prop, but
4: Justin Tucker over seven and a half points. It's not a bad look here, and that's juiced at minus 102. So you're trying to break this down, right? Unscored by the Baltimore Ravens would be able to cash this in. I think that's a fairly good look because you have to remember, teams don't necessarily want to kick field goals. And even if you are the Baltimore Ravens and you have Justin Tucker, one of the best field goal kickers, maybe in the history of football, Fourth and two, fourth and three, Lamar Jackson in the backfield in the red zone. They're probably going for that. But having said that, when you get to the end of the first half, if they're anywhere around the 50-yard line, they're going to run him out there for a field goal opportunity. And also keep in mind, those really aggressive fourth down play calls, Kevin, when do they usually take place? The first two to three quarters of the game. Once you get to the fourth quarter, you're now looking to make it a two-score game or a three-score game at that point. And the reason I bring it up here is if you are favored by seven and a half points like the Baltimore Ravens are, Kevin, if it is a 20-10 to game late and there's a fourth and three, you're going to kick the field goal to say, okay, they need two touchdowns to beat us. If it's a 24-7 to game late and it's a fourth and two from the five-yard line going in, They're not going for that. They're going to kick the field goal. So a legitimate chance here for Justin Tucker to kick two field goals and two extra points, that seems like a pretty good wager and a good find by you here, Kevin. I think this is just a guy, too, Donnie, that
3: if he gets the opportunity, right? Like Jason Sanders is is the the Dolphins kicker, right? Where if Jason Sanders lines it up, Donnie, and you've bet his over, no guarantees. For Tucker, it's just, okay, as long as he has his chances, I'll be fine here because – It's Justin Tucker. The man doesn't miss, ever. It's Justin Tucker. He's the best. Now, I know, Donnie, we're going to get to our match specials in a moment here, but there's a chance to bring up just one more situation because we're still waiting, obviously, on the Miami quarterback, which can kind of mess things up a little bit here. But it's the ground game for Baltimore. Lamar Jackson's rushing prop, 64-and-a-half, and and Devonta Freeman's rushing prop of 45-and-a-half. The interesting thing to me on Lamar, Donnie, who has ran for over two hundred yards in his last two games combined is trying to sort through how much of that is design how much of that is the fact that Latavius Murray didn't play in either of those games and how much of that perhaps is the game script of those two football games kind of down for a lot of them taking off dropping back and then running out of the pocket tonight seven and a half point favorites does that line up as much
4: yeah, It's interesting because he ran a lot on Sunday. And again, you're not going to get the full mm-hmm. seven days of rest. Your body, as they always like to say, goes through car wreck after car wreck each and every Sunday. So running for 15 to 20 times in a game is crazy. And then to do it again on a Thursday night. But you're talking about a product of your environment, meaning last week. I would love when Lamar Jackson goes into... I'm not going to let my team lose mode, which means I know they don't want me to run as much as I am, but this team can't stop me and I'll risk it. So every time I drop back to pass, if my first or second read isn't there, I'm picking up 10 yards or more on the ground myself because we really need this victory. Does he have to do that tonight, Kevin, against the Miami Dolphins? Is he going to be in must-win mode all the way through knowing that the other team probably can't walk up and down the field on the Baltimore Ravens defense and punch in maybe 24 to 28 points, which means that he's going to have to end or hold up his end of the bargain, particularly running. It's an interesting factor to bring up, but anytime you look at Lamar Jackson, though, and you say to yourself, Kevin, you know, we talk about, like, I like to walk my dog. Hey, this is one of those games where you bet it and forget it and don't watch it and check in. Betting an under-rushing prop on Lamar Jackson oh my has to be absolutely oh excruciating.
3: Maybe the worst way I could ever imagine having done live wow. in my life. I mean, the because, like, it takes, it's a guy who can just, like, two runs. And it's like, oh, boy, he's got 45 rushing yards, right? Like, yeah, that sounds absolutely nightmares here. On, on the Vonta, look, Lamar is minus 105 to score a touchdown. He scored a touchdown in one game this year. Don't bet that. Even if, if oh, but he's due. You know how much money you've lost betting on him to be due? It just doesn't feel worth it. You know who's worth it? Devonta Freeman, Donnie, who basically started being a part of the mix here for this team over the last three weeks, touchdown in all three games. That's where I think Freeman makes sense, although. I'm not betting until I find out Latavius Murray is officially out of this game. Currently doubtful, but it is important to make sure that he's not playing. Donnie, as far as some of the match specials go, and certainly we'll be able to break these down a lot more in play sports tonight, you will not want to miss it. Myself and Donnie, 7 p.m. Eastern start time on Sports Grid Radio because we'll have a lot more match specials to break down when we get the Dolphins quarterback officially named here. But Donnie, talk to me. Have any of the match specials jumped off of the page to you early goings here?
4: Yeah, a couple things. Even before we get to the match specials, you know, anytime touchdown prop market here, I'm going Mm. two tight ends in this one. Mark Andrews plus 150, Mike Gasecki plus 220. I think legitimate chances for both of those guys to score. And if one of those two guys scores, you pull down the plus money profit. Also, Mark Andrews over 50 and a half receiving yards. But let's get to the match special market here and some of the bets that always like to fit what we look for here, Kevin. One touchdown each quarter is at a plus 170. Now, sounds like a really hard thing to do and if there was one game that probably would have struggled with getting through that one was the last one we just watched in prime time that was the pittsburgh steelers and the chicago bears you know what they did it at a much higher price this one a little bit lower to plus 170 but you're looking for lamar jackson and the ravens sort of hold serve on that one and carry you through for most of the night but also the one i think that we love it's one of the beloved bets here on in play sports tonight one rushing touchdown and one passing touchdown for each team in this one, priced out at plus 220. Two teams that when they get in the red zone, they're looking to run it in. And just throwing a single touchdown pass does make some sense, even if you don't trust Jacoby Brissett. But as in, having said that, twice this year, Kevin, he's thrown two touchdown passes in a game. And we went over the actual passing numbers for him, particularly passing attempts. He's been in the 40s multiple times this year, which also if they are losing, maybe get that fourth-quarter touchdown to add in. So if you're looking for an outsider prop look here as well, take a look at Jacoby Brissett's passing attempts to the over once they hang those tonight because if he starts, Kevin, and that's around that 35 number, he routinely goes over that number each and every game he starts.
3: Great, great, great props breakdown there by you. Consider the fact, too, they're seven-and-a-half-point dogs. It makes all the sense in the world. I'll Also, the Lamar passing touchdown number is drastically different than we are used to. Still one-and-a-half, but around minus 150 juice to the over. Usually, you actually get plus money, and that's because that game against Minnesota was only the second time he's had a multi-passing touchdown game. Is that a change of approach there from Baltimore? Maybe plus 125 for him to have a passing touchdown in each half, a Donnie special. I don't know if that makes the mm. card though in this game. I know that there will though be some match specials finding on the bet slip. No doubt about it. Look forward to this game tonight. Also, I look forward to listen up, which is right next as Donnie closes out the early line for this quick play.
2: Pro Football Full Circle.
0: I'm going to make a case here, Joe, that our beloved Miami Dolphins can still make the postseason, believe it or not. No, you're not. Are you really? Yes. Then what you should do, Scott, what I recommend,
3: is that all that money that you're hiding under the mattress from the wife, just back up the truck and take it to FanDuel because
2: they're going to give you 36 to 1 odds. Catch Pro Football Full Circle weekdays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the home of the winning edge, the Sports Grid Radio
1: Network. we're born with it. It's always been there. It's been the
2: basis of many, many friendships and connection with people who just know and think like you do. It's made life fun. Welcome home to the winning edge. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. This
4: segment of the day for a Thursday right here on the Early Line Sirius XM. One fifty nine. Working myself on the right side, and Kevin Walsh carrying you through from seven to nine a.m. Before he handed off to Ben Stevens, and the morning after, over the next three hours. But you know what time it is? It's time to listen up. All right, people, listen up on this one here. We got some important topics to go over. Yesterday, we talked about the college football playoff and how I need to be commissioner to correct all the issues that we have. But my favorite thing to always talk about is Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred. I need to be commissioner of Major League Baseball. Why is that? Because yesterday, Scott Boris is talking woe is me, woe is my clients, nobody's spending any money, when Scott Boris is 50% of the reason why Major League Baseball is in the predicament that is in. We're taking a look and going head first here, it looks like, into yet another work stoppage here. So let's take a look at how we can handle Major League Baseball and make things correct here. With a lockout coming, we're talking about tanking in Major League Baseball, only a handful of teams actually trying to win and spend money in Scott Boris's perspective. Let's take a look from Scott Boris's perspective here, right? he You usually holds the top-level free agents in his back pocket and waits around. Take a look at the other sports. The minute free agency hits, we sign players immediately right away to get them to their teams so you can have your season tickets, you can have your ticket plan sold, your jerseys, your caps, your T-shirts, everything and the excitement underway. Remember the Philadelphia Phillies signing Bryce Harper? Yeah, they signed him in mid-March, halfway through spring training. You missed the Christmas season. You missed the anticipation. You missed running him around to do press conferences, getting the excitement level up in Major League Baseball. Here's how we fix it. Get a salary cap in Major League Baseball. Get a floor in salary cap for the Major League Baseball season so you have teams that are competitive. Also, bring the D.H.'s back in both leagues. Expand the playoffs. And also, we don't need juice baseballs, but we certainly don't need deadened baseballs. It's very simple in Major League Baseball as a fix. Put me commissioner here. We can work everything out and have a profitable and fun summer season in Major League Baseball. But that'll do it for the early line. Both myself, Donnie Wrightside, and Kevin Walsh will be back tomorrow for a Football Friday. But make sure you stay tuned to Ben Stevens in the morning after right here on The Grid.